Shalom mishpacha. Shalom family. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. means family. <laughs> We're the mishpacha, the family with a Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people, where the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile finally come down to form one new man. Getting ready, mishpacha, to blow the grandest shofar, oh, the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone, everywhere, to hear the good news. We want everyone, everywhere, to be red hot for the Messiah. And I have a friend that I've known for many years. Uh, his name is Pastor Steve Gray. Uh, and uh, I got to know him in a little town in Smithton, Missouri. Uh, and this tiny little town had more people in their church than they had in the town. Uh, and they had what was affectionately called uh, the Smithton Revival. Well, I recently went, because they had relocated to Kansas City, uh, I went to one of their services, and they have a new worship leader, and I want you to get to know him. His name is Dustin Smith. Uh, now, Dustin, I find it fascinating how you became worship leader uh, at that congregation. Tell me about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually pretty crazy. I mean, I, I was impacted by that revival in Smithton really about eight months after it happened. Well, then let's go back. Let's go back a little further then. Let's go to Smithton. Uh, do you remember me coming out there when you guys had those long lines and uh, and there's nothing open in that tiny little podunk town? <laughs> yep. I mean, that that was as crazy a location for a revival. Only God could have done that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they called it the Cornfield Revival. Uh, I'll never forget the first time. I do remember seeing you there, and I I remember the first time I encountered it. You know, the only thing I knew of Revival was that uh, Revival is just like a three-day meeting. So when I got invited to it, I did not even know what to expect. And when I came, it's in the middle of nowhere, 20 miles from the closest town. And uh, I pull up, and there are hundreds of people in line. And um, I'll never forget the first time I walked into a service, and I'd always loved worship, you know, and, but we were pretty reserved in our church. So we weren't, you know, my dad was a pastor. I didn't, was not very outward in my worship. When I walked into that place, it was alive. And uh, I'll never forget encountering Smithen for the first time and experiencing, really. Now, now, wait, between you and me, you see a bunch of people shaking, um, uh, just almost uncontrollable, and this is not in your paradigm. You've never seen anything like this, but you're a young person, so you might accept it. Uh, what did you think, really? What was going on inside no, I did not accept it at all, actually. To be honest with you, my religion kicked in, and I said, this is weird. This isn't right. And um, I experienced that. Actually, three days in a row, it actually scared me. Uh, it was something that I, it, when I saw it, I thought, this is, not, this is not God. This is not how church is supposed to be. And uh, I'll never forget, you know, the third night I was there, I actually would not get, even get prayer because I saw people shaking under the power of God. I, I saw people at that time, they'd scream all of a sudden, and things were, things were crazy. People would, when they had an altar call, people would run, front, run to the front. Healings were happening instantly. Uh, people don't run to the front to get saved in a Baptist church. They meander up there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, in this place, they were jumping over people to get to the front to get prayer. They were so desperate. And I had never seen anything like it. But what I did was I thought because it was different, it was wrong. And so I I would not accept it. And to be honest with you, the third night, Pastor Steve preached a sermon called Adapted to Demons. And I'll never forget it as long as I live. 
And he basically said, here you've set, and you've watched people get set free. And he said, remember when the demoniac was set free, when Jesus went and it said the people came and saw him dressing in his right mind, and they were afraid, and they asked Jesus to leave. And he said, the funny thing is, you, some of you have sat in this room, and you're so religious. You've seen people shake under the power of God, but you've seen people set free. You've seen people healed. You've seen people healed of cancer. You've seen, there was a lady there who had had 16 voices. She was a schizophrenic. And she was set free instantly. And he said, the funny thing is, you weren't afraid of them when they were sick, but now hmm. you're afraid of them when they're well. And I'll never forget that as long as I live, because I sat there and the conviction of God came all over me where I realized I didn't care if people were sick. You know, I, I was comfortable with them being sick, but I wasn't comfortable with them experiencing the power of God because I'd, I had never experienced it. I didn't even know what the power of God was. I just... You know, I went to church. I was a good guy. I was a good boy. I, I, you know, I did my daily things, my, my Bible reading, and, but I, had, I was void of the power of God, and I did not realize it. So to be honest with you, my, now it's my mother-in-law. It's my girlfriend's mom at the time. Took me by the hand the last night and said, I think you need to get prayer. And I said, oh, I don't really think so. <laughs> and she dragged me up front, and thank God she did because there was a man standing up there, and he prayed for me. He didn't touch me. Uh, he didn't really, I just closed my eyes as tight as I could. I didn't want to look into his eyes. And all he said was the word more. And I'll never forget. You, you know what I noticed? And that was one of the phenomenas. Uh, at that time, a lot of people were accusing people, not at your congregation, of right. pushing them down. And I noticed when people prayed for people at Steve Gray's church, they didn't even touch him. No, they would not touch him. And that's what kind of freaked me out is I could accept it if people were pushing people down because I knew it was just fake. But when I saw people not touching people and they were experiencing God without getting touched, that kind of worried me. And, uh, but when this guy prayed for me, I felt like a million gallons of water crushed me to the ground. I fell face first to the ground and I shook under the presence of God. It was so powerful. And I remember crying out to God at that moment saying, if this is so real, why am I so afraid? And I felt God as clear as they speak to me and say, because for 21 years of your life, you've been in, ch in church, but you've never been in my presence. And that's where I realized I was comfortable with doing church, even if God didn't show up. Well, let's get some people comfortable with God showing up, because I want to I want to brag on the music that God's given you. Uh, the Great I Am, you wrote that. Tell me about that song. Well, The Great I Am was really just written out of a moment where I realized a lot of worship songs were based just on us, and I wanted worship based on Him. You know, Revelation says, worthy is a lamb to receive. And I realized the entire book of Revelation is actually a book on worship trying to get you to get your eyes off your circumstances and see the greatness of who He is. Okay, consider yourself challenged now. Get your eyes off your circumstances and see the greatness of who our God is the great I am. There is no one like you 
That was the great I am from the CD, My Reward. We're offering three music CDs. If you think that was good, wait till you hear Healing Waters. The anointing is so strong, people are getting healed all over the map. Young children are proclaiming God's word on this. We're making all three music CDs available for a gift of $40. Get it for yourself. In fact, get two copies, one for yourself and someone you love. Available for a gift of $40. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. If I sat under the glory that you sit under as you lead worship at World Revival Church, I mean, you guys... Do you, do you realize what uh, a unique situation you have? Uh, do you realize how wonderful that is? The average church does not have that type of glory at every service. You do. Yeah, it's actually really powerful. I get a chance to travel around, and you realize what a rarity it is. And we're finding out that God is responding, but it's not just because he's, he just picked this place, but we're finding out it's not just God has an attitude towards us, but he has an attitude towards us because we found a people that have an attitude towards God. Uh, you know, one of the things that amazed me is when you guys moved from that small little town, Smithton, Missouri, to Kansas City, uh, I've never seen a church like this before. People literally gave up their jobs and moved to the new city because they were so hungry for the presence of God. Yeah, entire families, actually. I think there were probably 60 families altogether that just picked up, moved everything, got new jobs about two hours away in Kansas City, and actually started having church in a tent because they got land, but they didn't even have a building. So they actually just moved from Smith and Missouri and came here and planted and started having church in a tent. Okay, I want to take you back to what you were sharing on yesterday. It's uh, 1997. Uh, your girlfriend's uh, parents insist that she goes to uh, a meeting in Smithton, Missouri. Uh, you tag along because you like your girlfriend, who later on became your wife, uh, and you think it's the weirdest thing you've ever seen. It's different than it. I'm people running forward to get saved. Running yeah. forward, running, not walking, yeah. uh, to get healed. And then when they're prayed for, no one touches them. And they start shaking and falling over. Uh, and you were challenged that third night. And <laughs> miraculously, you went forward. I got to hear this in your own words. What happened to you? When I went forward, you know, I was really scared because I was basically dragged up there by my future mother-in-law. And I think she thought, if I don't get this guy up here and get him changed, nothing, she ain't going to marry my daughter. <laughs> she might have had, you know. Uh, I think you were ready to say, I, if that's the requirement, I'm not going to marry your daughter. <laughs> yeah. Well, my religion kicked in so much that it really, it really scared me. It was very unfamiliar to me, and it was not something I was accepting. I actually... You know, inside I was saying, uh, this is a discerning spirit, you know, that this isn't right. But when I got up there, the man who prayed for me did not touch me. He, all he did, he really first started just speaking to religious spirits in my life. He didn't even pray for me. At first he just started speaking to these religious spirits for me. But when he prayed for me, all he said was the word more. And I felt like a million gallons of water just dumped on me. And I fell face first to the ground, just 
never had anything like that happen to me before. I'm not an over-emotional person, you know. Here I am laying on the floor just shaking violently under the presence of God. Now, this doesn't happen to everyone that degree. Some feel a little, some feel nothing, some have what you have. I have to believe that happened to you because there was such a destiny on your life. Yeah, God God had to God really had to get a hold of me and I I had so much religion on me that I was almost walking like Saul. Like I would I would have killed that move of God if I had the chance. Just like Saul's killing the move of, you know, killing Christians wherever he goes and all of a sudden God knows if he can just get a hold of my life that I will run as hard for him as I was running in the other direction, you know. And as soon as I'm laying there on the floor and I say to God, if this is so real, why am I so afraid? And I felt God say, because for 21 years of your life you've been in church, but you've never been in my presence. And the presence of God, I, I was comfortable with doing church, and I didn't even care if he showed up. I just had to show up. And I didn't even I didn't know, even know he would show up. And really, Smithen opened up my eyes to the glory of God and that God does want to meet with his people. Now, today, you're the worship leader there. Uh, you, yeah. uh, you went to Bible school. You uh, majored in music. You wanted to sing, uh, but not, you were not a musician. Uh, so how come I see you at the piano leading worship? I don't get it. Explain that. Finish the sentence. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't play the piano. I hadn't written songs. You know, I, I could I could chord a little bit, just like every musician might sit down and be able to just play a little bit. I took a basic piano class. But, you know, I actually, my wife and I picked up everything and moved to this church. We were pastoring in a church, and we were dying. And we came just to visit because I was really ruined for church. And Pastor Steve said something. We were just visiting. He said, somebody's sitting out in the congregation right now. And he said, you're dying where you're at. And I just need to tell you this. And he basically prophesied to us. He didn't know he was, but he said, Jesus died for those people. You don't have to. And I turned to my wife and I said, I want to move here to Kansas City. And we actually moved here to Kansas City. And I got a job working on a farm painting barns. I did not come to be the worship leader. I did not even come to be a pastor. I just wanted to be in a place where the glory of God was. And and yet you come from four generations of pastors. And by the time it got to you, you were one dry young man. Uh, So you want a job. You want to just be part because you can be in the glory of God every time you come to a service. You don't even want to be in ministry. You don't have a ministry job. Uh, So what happened next? So, Pastor Steve, one time I'm here, and by that time I was volunteering with the youth, and Pastor Steve said, hey, I want you to try out this piece of equipment. Could you play the piano for us? And I said, well, I don't really play. He said, well, just get up there. It's no big deal. We're just trying a piece of equipment. And I played just one song, and Pastor Steve looked at me, and he said, I want you playing tomorrow night in service. And I was like, I don't even play. He said, I don't care. I want you playing tomorrow night. And I've played every service since then. And at that time, Eric Newsom was the worship leader. Little did I know that two years later, Pastor Steve would look at me and say, Uh, Eric Newsom would go minister with his parents in Chicago. He felt the need to go help them establish revival up there. And Pastor Steve would look me in the eyes and say, Dustin, I want you to be the worship leader of Revival Church. And at that moment, I played every single service. I started writing songs. God just started. Had you ever written a song before? No. I had written one song for my wife for our wedding, and it was called Today I Marry My Best Friend. (laughs) And that was it. And how many songs have you written now, would you say? I would probably say 150 to 200 songs. So what's the difference? Why didn't you write before that? Because I believe that Pastor Steve basically put me in position, and I was so hungry for the presence of God. It wasn't that I was the first choice. Is that It was that I had made 
myself available to do anything God wanted. And when Pastor Steve put me in position, it's not that God always calls you to do what you think you're uh, capable of doing. He calls you to what he needs you to do. Okay, tell me about Yahweh. We want to play this selection right now. Yeah, Yahweh to me is an incredible song. One of the lines that stands out to me the most is kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall, but you rise above them all. And that's the name of Yahweh. What an appropriate song for the time we're living in. Let's go to Yahweh.
there are professional worship leaders that can get up there and do a masterful job and even have a little bit, just a little bit, of the presence of God. What is your heart when you lead worship? What are you after? What do you want happening to the congregants? Yeah, well, you know, I've found that what I really want is I want to try to shift people from an individual mindset and get them into a corporate attitude. And, you know, the Bible says one can put a thousand to flight, two puts 10,000 to flight. And I have to be honest with you, you know, we, we like to joke about somebody who's a party pooper or a Debbie Downer, but it's because when they walk into a room, they carry an attitude that dominates a room. And so when that person comes to a party, you're like, oh, no, because they can pull the whole party down because of their attitude. Well, I believe that there's a God attitude that we can find in worship and being able to insert into people, what kind of attitude do we want to have towards God today? And we're going to make sure that we do everything. Everything I can to make sure he receives what he is due today. He's, he's worthy. So the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God. It says, draw close to me, then I'll draw close to you. And I think a lot of people take for granted that they just hope God might show up, or but they don't do the drawing close. The Bible says, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? So my job is to get people to love the Lord your God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if we can do all those things within a service, then we become one voice to God. And I believe the Bible says his eyes are searching the earth, seeking a people whose hearts are completely his, that he might show himself strong on their behalf. What I find at most churches is people that are in the church love God, but they, they're almost uh, either it's a concert and they're just listening or they're just saying the words, but they're on a mind trip. Yeah, yeah, and, and somebody asked me that one time, and, and it, he, it's kind of a theologian of worship that I, that I know, and uh, he asked me the question, he says, what would you say to some of my older friends who say it's just a rock concert? And I say, you know, World Revival Church to me is such a, a powerful, unified place that if you'll invite your friends to World Revival Church, if I can guarantee that we'll do their songs in their style, in the way that, that they want, do you promise me that they will worship with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength? And he said, I don't think they'll change anything. And I said, then I don't think the songs are the problem. Because, see, the Bible says, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I think we've taught people how to sing songs, but I don't think we've taught people how to see who God is. And when you see who he is, you'll respond. So I spend most of my time trying to clear away the clutter in a service to get people to see the greatness of God, and then they'll respond. But really what we've taught people what to do is just how to sing songs. And, and that's one of the things I notice. The songs that you have written that are on these CDs, uh, they're talking about who God is. Uh, it, it's worshiping God. Uh, it, it's 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 different than most music. For instance, tell me about a song you wrote that we're about ready to hear called "To You Alone." Yeah. Well, for me, this is the it's the attitude thing. Like when people get these CDs, one of the things they're telling me is, like the song "To You Alone," basically it establishes you're worthy 
you're the only one who's worthy to you alone. And so they're putting it in their car and they're listening to it on their way to work. And they say they can start feeling the overwhelming presence of God as they drive. And they say when they walk into work, that has set the attitude for them for the day. So when they go into work, that's the attitude they walk into work. When they go into their family, that's the attitude they go in that to him alone, is he's worthy. And that gets inside of you and it begins to make those decisions for you. The ones that feel hard when you have that attitude of who God is, that's what dominates your day. Uh, you know, I recently uh, met a Jewish dentist, and uh, he was having demonic problems in his home. I mean, very serious. And I just happened to have one of your CDs with me. And I said, I want you playing this 24-7 in your son's yeah. room. Now, I haven't seen him since, but I believe that you make that so sanctified by your worship. In fact, let's hear to you alone. Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, All you are, we adore. Mighty Savior, matchless one, who was and is and is to come.
Dustin, people are bringing your CDs into hospitals. What's happening to people that listen to this uh, as they're laying the bed in the hospital? We're finding, uh, really what we're finding is people are getting healings, but they're getting quicker. Like people, the doctors will give a diagnosis and those things are starting to happen faster. So it's really speeding up healing, it's causing healing, and it's causing an attitude in the room. Even other rooms are noticing the rooms that are playing that CD. Are you? Uh, well, tell me real brief about that uh, young girl uh, that was having problems, and her mom played uh, one of your CDs for for her. She was being attacked really in the middle of the night with night terrors, and uh, she started playing that CD. And she said, from the minute she started playing that CD, the night terrors stopped. And she said it was so such a sudden thing that she didn't even realize it was happening until one night she forgot to turn it on, and she said she had one, and as soon as she woke up, she started singing the song that the CD usually sings, and instantly the night terror stopped as soon as she started making the declaration. And the demons cannot take the heat. These three CDs, I, I suggest you get it, multiple copies and give them as gifts by Dustin Smith, available for a gift of $40. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, 1-800-447-2697. Your mom got cancer. Uh, it was stage three uh, or four cancer. Uh, it was very serious. Uh, tell me what happened. Well, you know, I've been a worship leader here for a while, and I've seen so many testimonies of healing. Of I've seen, I mean, I've seen people walk in with tumors that walk out with no tumor. And I've seen a lot of incredible miracles at the church. But, you know, when your mom calls you, and I was given a voice lesson, and she said, I need to talk to you. And I said, can I call you after the lesson? And she said, no, I need to talk to you right now. When your mom says that, that's important. And so I canceled the rest of the lesson, and I went to the back room, and she said, I was just diagnosed with stage 3, 4 melanoma. And, um, and she said, I, I need you. I need you right now. I was the first person she called. And she said, I need your faith. Well, that faith had been established in me by what I had seen and experienced. And so the very first thing I told my mom is I said, listen, I said, fear may come, but fear can't make decisions for you. And as we begin to speak, it's the same thing we do in worship. We establish an attitude of what's going to happen, and we're not going to let situations dictate who we are. We're going to be like a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we're going to say, the fire may be here, and God can save us, but even if he doesn't, we will never bow to you. And as soon as you get in that fire, you recognize Jesus is standing right beside you. And so at that moment, she told me she, she felt strength just from us talking, and so she started, she used the worship CDs to keep her faith strong, and about a week later, she went in, and they had, to, they had to remove a spot, and then they removed three lymph nodes because they had to test and see how far this cancer had gotten into her system because they said 3-4 means it's really far along, and they didn't even know how long she had to live. Well, we got the results back, and she had zero cancer. They couldn't find any cancer. So it went from a stage 3-4 melanoma to not having cancer at all. Well, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to play one of your songs because the anointing is so strong on this one. Uh, the title, and, and you see, uh, he writes music different than most people. And God is so pleased because 
we magnify who God is. And as you magnify who God is, there's no room for the devil. And after we play this music, I want you to pray for people to be healed, especially of cancer, okay? The one that really matters. Tell me about that song. The one that really matters, I was actually in a church in Oklahoma ministering, and there was a moment in the service where the presence of God came in so strong that nobody could move. And I remember standing there, and I could hardly even breathe. It was so heavy in the room. And, and the first words that came out of my mouth, nobody else was singing, everybody else was on their faces. And I made this statement to God at the piano, and I just began to weep. I said, you're the one that really matters. And that's where this song was birthed out of. That's our intro. You're the one that really matters. I feel you so close to me I can hardly move or breathe I can feel your presence all around I fall knees down to the ground You're the one that really matters 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 And I know that I haven't found The cares of life can't hold me Cause you're the one I want to please What matters now is what you think You're the one that really matters 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 And I know that I have been found The cares of life can't hold me So close to me that 
Jesus, you are the name above every other name, and I speak to every cancer. I speak to every sickness. I speak to everything that binds, every disease, and I bind those things in Jesus' name. And we say, you have no authority. By the blood of Jesus, we are healed. And I say to that cancer now, be removed from your life, that it's not going to have a hold on you, and that fear that has gripped you that you're even going to get cancer, I speak to it now, and I say every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Lord. Boy, the presence of God is so strong on you right now. People's backs are being healed. That means pain of any kind. Move your body, and you will see you are pain-free in Jesus' name. And I want you to get these three CDs. A lot of you can't go off to Kansas City and sit under this amazing worship. But you can get these three CDs. People are bringing them into hospitals. Uh, They're seeing so many miracles take place. It literally will bathe you, your car, uh, your work, your home, in the presence of God. All three CDs by Dustin Smith, worship CDs, available for a gift of $40. We played some of your music for our last prayer meeting, and the glory just poured out uh, among uh, the people. Uh, Tell me a bit about how we should worship God. You know, I I found, even for me, before I experienced really even revival and what the presence of God really was, I I, I was a person who was very traditional. I was very dictated by traditions, you know, and there's a scripture where Jesus says, Isaiah was right when he prophesied of you. You're a people who praise me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. He said, your worship of me is in vain. It's just rules taught by men. He says, for you have held on to the traditions of man, but you've let go of the commands of God. And I realized in church, a lot of times I would come in and do the traditional thing that actually fit my personality. And I find that most people actually go to churches that just fit their personality. So actually their worship is more personality driven. It's more traditions driven. For example, one of the things we always joke about is, you know, the Bible doesn't say anywhere to bow your head and close your eyes when you pray. Well, there's nothing wrong with bowing your head and closing your eyes and and praying, but the Bible does say shout to the Lord. So if you're not comfortable shouting the Lord, but you are comfortable with bowing your head, closing your eyes, well, it's not that bowing your head, close your eyes is wrong, but you're holding on to that and you're not letting go and doing the commands of God. So you hold on to traditions more than you hold on to the commands. And I have found that when you have a heart of worship, you're not afraid to walk in and express yourself to God. And I I feel like Satan has stolen our expression. And I believe he has made God into somebody who is, they almost say reverence equals silence, but reverence is an attitude that says, I want you to be pleased. So worship to me is finding out what pleases God. And the very word worship, we all know, means to give worth. So what I'm trying to do in a service is I'm trying to show what is the most worthy thing. Is it my tiredness or my weakness or even my sickness? No, that's not what's worthy. So I'm not going to let that dictate my, my worship. I'm going to look up, and I feel like most of the people just go through the motions. They come in, and they kind of lift their hands, but it's, it's not, they're not engaging with God. It's like you're having a conversation with that person who keeps looking past you for the next person. Sometimes I feel like we do that with God. It's almost like he's trying to look into our eyes, and we're, we're talking to him, but we're looking past him just to see what the next great thing coming in the room is instead of making him the greatest thing in the room. I, I, I'm curious. Help me out on this, Dustin. 
I know about the presence, the thick presence of God in your congregation, yeah. especially when you guys worship as one. Yeah. What about when you're not at church? What about in your home? Do you have a presence of God there? Yeah, it's funny because when we're in our home, it's the exact same thing. I mean, the, it, what you're doing is you're creating an atmosphere wherever you go. So I've made the statement that when I come into a congregation, all I'm doing is multiplying that to create the atmosphere times however many people are there. When I'm at home, if I'm with my kids or I'm with my wife, I mean, we have we turn on worship music and it dominates the atmosphere of the house. It's, you know, my kids sing those songs. So the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And so what those songs are doing is it's constantly putting in something. And so when you play it in your house, well, what it's doing is it's creating that atmosphere for the miraculous, even in your house, for those of you that don't have peace in your home, where you feel like it's always, it just, there's always attitudes, there's always, always frustrations. I can guarantee, when, and even with the Healing Water CD, some people will play that in their house nonstop. They play it 24-7. When their kids walk into the house, that's playing. And I, I, I have to tell you, I've started having my quiet time with that particular CD, uh, and I don't quite get it, but I, I am experiencing more peace than any worship I, I've ever had. What is it about that particular one that's doing that to me? Yeah, can you help me out with that, Dustin? Yeah. Well, when we created it, we created it with that in mind. You know, we, we wanted, our faith is big on that CD to where that's who we are. So we're creating a CD knowing, and it's specific. Like I have kids praying on there for a purpose because when you hear an adult, like even us talking, some people are real critical, but then they hear a kid's voice and all of a sudden it disarms them. So even on that CD, there are kids that are declaring who God is, and it disarms the people, so it opens them up, and all of a sudden, when they, uh, one of the kids declares, Jesus is the Lord, all of a sudden, your, your body just begins to line up with the Word of God because it disarmed you all of a sudden, you know? Some of the songs are very disarming. It's, it's something that just puts you in that peaceful place to recognize God is in control. Reign over me, O Lord. As this is played, reign over the person that is listening. God of creation and ruler of time. Won't you rule this heart of mine? And king of the universe, land and the sea. Won't you come and be king over me? And Come and rule 
this heart of mine King of the universe Land and the sea Won't you come and be king over me And Can you imagine that music going on 24-7 in your home? Can you imagine the fire of God consuming what is in the way, separating you from intimacy with him? Can you imagine that music being played in your children's bedroom, in your bedroom 24-7, in your entire house? People are getting healed of everything imaginable. What peace. Then you'll carry that anointing wherever you go. We're making the three music CDs by Dustin Smith available for a gift of $40. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. Dot O-R-G. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, 
Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime, 1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, the number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, send a donation to Sid Roth. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.